1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: So our meat is so fresh. I mean, you have to think about what your meat has been through before it gets to the grocery store. And yes, you only have a couple of days to eat that. But our meat is so fresh, you have up to 45 days for most of our cuts in your refrigerator before you have to even think about freezing it.
3: Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we are actually unintentionally continuing our um, two weeks into talking about companies that are all about bringing meat directly to you. So this week, we're talking with Boyd Farms Fresh. They are located here in Northeast Florida. So today we're interviewing, and you just heard from Suzanne Boyd, um, the daughter of our other guest, Alan Boyd. So they have a seventh generation family farm that's around the Florida-Georgia line. And um, they have now pivoted to delivering to consumers, so instead of shipping off their beef to um, a feedlot and then eventually to a processing facility where it is then distributed throughout the United States, they're doing all of that in house. So they're they're doing this with the pandemic still doing, going on. So they're trying to figure all that out. But they have created such a cool business model that I think is really going to be the future of agriculture. Because I mean, which Alan talks about it in this episode, how the pandemic really showed. Um, some weaknesses with the pandemic, because a lot of processing facilities were shutting down because of COVID, people were getting sick, and that really threw a wrench in how meat is distributed and processed throughout the country, because we actually only have like a handful of processing facilities. So anyway, this is a really cool episode with Alan and Suzanne, which when I was doing research, I was like, you know, why does the Boyd name sound so familiar? Come to find out, obviously, Alan is a former Florida and United States congressman, so that was really neat to find out. Super glad to have him and his daughter, Suzanne, on the show. Uh, we're going to learn so much about Boyd Farms Fresh, how they pivoted to doing um, direct-to-consumers and selling at farmers markets and stuff like that, um, the history of their farm, and also something which was, I mean, mind-blowing. Suzanne says, as you heard in, from the clip earlier, uh, their food... Or their, some of their cuts of meat can last up to 45 days or longer in your fridge because it's so fresh, that's amazing. And we actually, we bought, we saw them here in Panama City and from Alan and his wife, we bought um, five pounds of ground chuck and then a hanger steak. The ground chuck was delicious. We're going to try the hanger steak. I am super excited about it. He said it goes by another name called the... Um, the butcher's cut, because really only a butcher would know about it and how to treat this cut of meat. So anyway, I'm super excited about this episode, as you can probably tell. Uh, Be sure to check them out. Their website is BoydFarmsFresh.com. If you're in North Florida, they have meetups on their website, which tell you where they're going to be and where you can buy their, their meat. So yeah, this is a phenomenal podcast. This is episode 91 with Alan and Suzanne Boyd. Hope you enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. All right, well, Alan and Suzanne Boyd, uh, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you guys doing?
2: We're great. We're doing great. <laughs> Just forever trying to get these farmers on uh, in a in a technical situation on a podcast is not easy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we had some technical difficulties, but you guys figured it out. Alan, you're on. You're sounding good. So, I mean, it all worked out.
1: <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. I had a, a little bit of help getting there from the from my beautiful daughter, Suzanne, but we got there.
3: Hey, there you go. Family business, I mean, 24-7. She's helping you with the business and with with, um, getting on here. So whatever works. So you guys are with Boyd Farms Fresh, and my friend, Gray Dodge, actually told me about you guys. Um, So real quick, tell me a little bit about yourselves, kind of your backgrounds, and kind of the whole start of uh, Boyd Farms.
1: Trevor... uh... Suzanne, Suzanne. I was born and raised on this farm, and as Suzanne was too, uh, she's the sixth generation on this this same property. So her children are the seventh. Of course, they uh, Suzanne moved to South Florida, and uh, I continued to stay on the farm, and we we raise uh, row crops. We're in the cattle business. Uh, We also do uh, cotton and peanuts, which are traditional North Florida, South Georgia crops. Uh, We grow some worn feed corn for dairies and we're in the sod business we're in the timber business we do a little bit of it all but uh, uh, the cattle business has been kind of, we're cow-calf operators and that's been kind of tough and it was really the problems were exacerbated by the pandemic uh, when it shut down the the uh, processing plants and kill plants out west uh, uh, beef got short, fresh beef got short in the grocery store and got really high, and the farmers didn't have an outlet for theirs, and it got really cheap. So my wife and Suzanne and uh, the boys, uh, all we all talked about it and decided to try to pivot this operation into a farm-to-table, which is a very, it's not an easy project for, for fresh beef because uh, especially in this part of the country where there are very few uh, kill plants, process, harvest plants uh, for for beef. So uh, harvest and fabrication—that's the processing part too. So uh, there, we went through the hoops and figured it all out. Uh, we joined an association of other cattle ranchers in Florida called the Florida Cattle Ranchers Association, and uh, we contracted with a feedlot which is uh, the guy that owns it. It's a long it was a longtime friend, an ally of mine, and he feeds the cattle uh, in a uh, sound, environmentally friendly, uh, humane way, like we, we want them to be treated. And then uh, that's all here in North Florida. And then from there, they take a one to one and a half hour ride down to the processing plant down in Marion County, where they're harvested and, and processed, and then we take our a little refrigerated truck, back it up and and load it and take our meat to our customers. So that's basically what we're doing. We've just basically pivoted our cow-calf operation where we used to take the calf off the mama, put it on a truck, ship it out west, somebody else would own it. We've decided to try to figure out how to do it all ourselves and uh, keep ownership of the meat all the way into the customer's table.
2: So basically, Trevor, we're shortening the supply chain, you know, before, if, um, when we sold off our cattle, it would go through seven or eight different owners before it got to your grocery store or your table. Now it's in our hands or, um, this association that we're in, um, it's about two hands or, you know, one to two hands before it gets to your table. Um, and we have a hand on that process the entire time.
3: That's awesome. And and that pivot that you guys are talking about is huge because I've seen so many farms and ranches kind of get devastated by COVID. And so they're having to pivot, not just out of, um, to be creative, but as a means to be, I mean, to stay in operation. And so that's very cool that you guys were very quick to pivot. I mean, it's a win-win because I mean, you're providing something fresh for the consumers and you're making it kind of a little bit fresher for them and direct to their tables. So going off of that, I mean, what kind of research did you guys do before you decided to, oh, we're going to kind of process it and then we're going to ship it to consumers ourselves. So what kind of research did y'all put into that before you decided to follow it?
2: Well, Uh, we just did it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. <laughs> Remember, I was trying to
2: be a little more diplomatic. Dad told me this idea in August, and by October, we had made the pivot. So it was pretty quick. Um, Dad had been talking with some fellow ranchers in Florida who were already doing this, and um, and so you know, I'm the type of person that you know, I, I don't do a lot of talking. I, I'm a doer. And so when dad said, let's do it, I said, okay, let's make it happen. And we got the truck, we got the branding, the logo, the marketing, the social media, the website, and we got going in October.
3: Well, hey, sometimes you just got to hit the ground running and kind of figure it out along the way. So that's pretty good. You guys just kind of decided to do it and now you're doing it. And it seems like it's been pretty successful so far. What's kind of the response been
1: like? The, the response has been... uh Actually, better than I would have expected, uh, because really didn't know what to expect. Uh, but the the responses are that the the quality and the freshness of the meat that we bring to our customers is unmatched. And uh, honestly, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard uh, here in North Florida or along the, along the Gulf Coast uh, and on the Atlantic is we. We we don't know we can't find good fresh beef uh, around here. We want some fresh beef. We don't want beef that's you know previously been frozen and then thawed out. And so uh, we've gotten a very very positive response from our uh, clientele.
2: You know, and and the, the big thing with us, Trevor, is trying to educate our consumer about what they're getting. Um, you know, so many people have told me you know, we bought your meat and then we didn't eat it within a couple of days. So we froze it. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) so our meat is so fresh. I mean, you have to think about what your meat has been through before it gets to the grocery store. And yes, you only have a couple of days to eat that, but our meat is so fresh. You have up to 45 days for most of our cuts in your refrigerator before you have to even think about freezing it. And you know, that's one of our biggest challenges is just educating you know, our consumer what, what this meat is and why it's so different and why it's so much better for you.
3: Yeah, that's crazy that, I mean, it lasts about 45 days in your fridge. I mean, I would say most consumers are like, oh, we'll, we'll, buy, we'll buy some store-bought meat and it lasts maybe a week. So I imagine kind of educating them on that has been super tricky.
2: Yeah, because, you know, it's and I think that's the one thing that we've really honed on in the last few in the last month, because it really is important that our consumer knows, you know, what's different about our process, what's different about our beef, um, what's different about our farm and the way we're doing business. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a learning process for us and for the people that are buying it.
3: I can imagine. Um so, Alan, how are things different now from when they were? I don't know when you were younger and part of this sixth generation farm for you. I'm sorry, you're the, you're the fifth generation of that farm.
1: Is that correct? That's correct. We could buy fertilizer for about thirty dollars a ton now and now uh, then, and now it's four and five hundred dollars a ton. Or we could buy feed for uh, you know twenty percent of what we're paying now. It just there's a lot. There, there are a lot of differences uh and you really uh it takes uh it takes a lot of uh, capital to do this and if you mess up or have a ha- have a disastrous year you can you can blow it you know you can get in bad trouble in one year uh whereas before when i was growing up you know it wasn't that we'd have good years we'd have bad years but uh its to really be careful now with the with the management of this uh everything is so expensive and so it's uh just have to kind of stay on top of it I'm as we
3: oh i can imagine
1: yeah it's it's not uh most of the most of your people a lot of the people that you uh, see your stuff i presume are in the rural areas and they understand what we're talking about
3: oh yeah yeah no that's true um so are you guys kind of grass-fed grain-fed what exactly
1: are your growing um techniques for the cattle man you want to Tackle that you you know that well now you got that
2: we, we are we are pasture raised grain finished um, we are not a grass fed grass finished operation dad really believes that the beef is better it tastes better it's more flavorful um, it has more marbling when you grain finish um, and so that has always been our operation. And we weren't going to change really the way that we fed out our cattle. We really believe that our product in the end is, you know, is the better tasting product. And listen, you know, there's a, there's a market for grass finished beef. Um, That's just not our market. What we do is we keep
1: the calf here on the farm. Uh, Of course it's bred here, born here, raised here, and it stays on that cow for eight or 10 months. And then it, say nine or ten months it has to come off because the cow is now getting getting ready to have our next calf. So we take the calf and we keep it on our farm for another sixty days, uh making sure that calf goes through that weaning process coming off the cow, that is. That's a very stre- that's the most stressful time uh in the life of the calf. So we try to keep it on the farm. When we first take it off the cow, uh we keep it in a uh in a pasture or, or a pen right next to where a, the mama can come up and smell it. So they'll it's a you know it's a very loud process around here for five or six days because they're all mad. But eventually they settle down, and then and then we take that calf for another sixty days here and make sure it's eating well and it's, and, and it's not uh, not experiencing any sicknesses or uh, consequences from that uh, weaning period. And then we we send it to a finishing yard. Uh, close by that has, that uh, that is GAP4 certified, has all the certifications from the, you know, from the GAP4 process. And uh, they do it, they finish them like we want them finished. And then so that's really kind of what makes us different. We're, we're keeping our fingers in the process the whole way.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you're kind of you're raising them the way that you want them to, very humanely. I mean, not, not just so that the cows have a good life, but also because you get a great product in the end. So that's awesome. Um, so Suzanne, what's it been like kind of marketing and building up the advertising for Boyd Farms? I mean, I, know, I feel like there has been kind of a surge on online presence with farming operations. So what's it been like to kind of make sure that Boyd Farms Fresh has like a, a very distinctive online voice about your product?
2: Well, so I, um, my dad talks about me leaving um, the farm and going off to college um, and telling him I was never coming back. <laughs> yeah, and that is true. <laughs> um, but I did go to the University of Florida and got my degree in journalism. And I was in the TV news business for 25 years before recently quitting my job and starting my own production company. So my whole career has been in marketing and content and branding and 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 i was one of the initial people to get on social media so i really understood how you could leverage social media for a business and so when dad approached me you know my whole thinking about this because dad's the cattle farmer um and you know my whole thinking is how do we take this to the next level with an online presence on both sales on the marketing side And so, you know, I was really adamant about us creating a website where people could order, having a a huge online presence, presence, putting some money behind marketing. And, um, you know, it's what I do. So, you know, I think that we have been, you know, as successful as we have in just the last few months. Um, A lot of it has to do with the fact that, Um, not only are we all workhorses and, you know, we love to work, but we also, um, have put, you know, a significant amount of time and money into marketing.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, looking at your Facebook as just Boyd Farms Fresh, um, your Facebook is great. I mean, you showcase a lot of the meat you guys have, where you go. Like we were talking earlier, you go to St. Andrews here in Panama City, kind of showcase what's going on. So your your social media presence is awesome and so I feel like that's huge and I mean has that obviously hopefully led to an increase in um in consumers knowing about your brand and buying some meat?
2: Yeah, and you also have to realize that people are fascinated. You know, when I tell all of my friends here in South Florida about growing up on a farm and you know, they're fascinated by that. And people want to come to the farm and they want to see it and they want to see the cattle and they want to see how it works and how um, how it happens. So I think a lot of people are, you know, are fascinated by farm life and, and how it operates. And so I think showing them that is very important. Um, you know, I also, dad and I kind of go back and forth on this a little bit because, you know, there there's two types of people out there. There's the people that really understand the farming business and, and understand where they're Um, food comes from and then there's those that don't and don't really want to (laughs) know so yeah that's
3: true that's true that's a good point
2: so it's really you know it's 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 all about having that voice and that balance because yes I do want to show them the cattle and show that we do have a cattle operation but you don't want to spend a lot of time you know unfortunately you know, really being, you know, putting the cattle out there all the time, because people also want to know that they're getting really great quality, good looking, good tasting meat. And so that is also the thing that you have to promote um, a lot. So there's a balance there.
3: Oh, it sounds like it. I can imagine. All right. So a question for both of you. Um, what, is, what is your favorite cut of meat on your cows? I mean, I'm sure you both have a go to. So what's your favorite?
1: Before I started all this, I really, I I, I bought ribeyes mostly uh, if I wanted to eat a steak. And so that would probably have to be my favorite. Uh, the tenderloins, uh, the fillets will absolutely melt in your mouth. There are so many other cuts that are good cuts, but the most flavorful for me is the ribeye. Uh, and it, it's a pretty, it's one of the more expensive cuts because it is, you know, it's in it's in demand. Uh, there are a lot of other cuts that uh in that come off the cow, the flat iron steak, the chuck, iron, chuck eye steak, those kinds of things that are way less expensive in there, and they are also very good. But my favorite is the ribeye.
2: I would have to say our burger. I mean, our ground beef is just. It, you know, I've. I've eaten a lot of burgers in my day (laughs) and I've had a lot of burger meat and I notice a huge difference when I taste our ground beef as opposed to what I get in the grocery store. And I would say that for all of our beef, but I'm telling you like, and I'm such a burger person, you don't have to put anything on it, salt and pepper. And, and I'm telling you it's amazing. So I would say our ground beef is probably my favorite. There you go.
3: And I'm sure you guys love them because, I mean, you know, those products, you know, the farm, of course, you know, the people making them. So, I mean, I'm sure it makes it that much more enjoyable.
2: Yeah. But also, I mean, it's really interesting to go through this process, Trevor and dad, dad would probably say the same thing. There's so many cuts um, of beef that we didn't even know about, you know, that, um, that we're learning every single day about where they come from and, and how you cook them and how, how they taste and are they tender or, or or are they a little more tough? Do you need to marinate them? Do you not? You know, so it's, it's definitely been a learning process and we have so many cuts that you just will not find in the grocery store, like the chuck eye steak, which dad was talking about, which is, you know, known as the poor man's ribeye because it's um, a quarter of the price But it has that marbling and is, um, you know, sort of similar to the ribeye. So there's cuts like that that you just can't find in the grocery store.
1: Suzanne talked about the uh, ground beef, the hamburger. uh, All the reviews we get, the responses from our clients, our customer, our customers, uh, we get more raves about the ground beef than we do anything. And I think that's the thing that, and I think that's a, 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 it ground beef is uh, once it's comes out of the plant, it has a the shortest shelf life, refrigeration shelf life of all the other cuts. And so that makes what we're doing with the freshness even more important and more critical uh, and more valuable to the customer.
3: When it comes to like meat delivery services, I know a lot of people kind of think of the big brands like a butcher box or something like that. So how are you guys trying to position yourselves to where... Um, I mean, probably you're kind of going to be a niche market to where you're like, hey, people in North Florida, Georgia, here's our product, you know us, we'll know you. So how are you trying to kind of differentiate from the larger box or the larger meat delivery companies to where you're like, hey, we've got a really good superior product. So what's kind of the thought process there?
2: Well, I will tell you that a lot of those companies are basically distributors. So they're not the farm right? Um, We are the farm to the table. So we are the whole process. But you know, what they're doing is what people want. People want fresh meat delivered to their door. Um, You know, we find a lot of times that people don't want to come to the farmer's markets and don't want to come to our meetups locations and pick up this meat. They really want us to ship it to them. And that's a strategy that we're working on right now. Um, you know, I am committed to figuring out how we can ship fresh meat. It's a little tricky. Um, but it's doable. And, you know, I think that what we offer is different from those products because we are the farmer too, you know?
3: Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, most of those big box brands, I mean, like you said, they're, they're just distributors. They're not farmers. Sure. They work with the farmers, but I mean, you guys are the farmers, you are the distributors, so you're really making it, it's a very true blue farm-to-table movement which you guys are doing, and that's super cool.
1: Yeah, I think if you do a little research on, I'm not saying on all, but on some of the big box brands, uh, you'll find uh, you'll find that their meat comes from way, way, way away, far, far, far away, you know. And uh, that's not what we're into. We're into uh, taking our product off the farm, And we want to include other uh, farmers and ranchers in in the Florida area too. Uh, Taking it off the farm, uh, getting all the work done to get it ready to come to a customer uh, without ever having gone out of the state of Florida, for instance, in this case.
3: Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and a lot of people don't know, I mean, Florida's got a lot of ranches. I've been to Deseret Ranch down in um, South Florida and there's like a new desert ranch up here in North Florida too. And there's so many cattle operations in Florida and people don't really realize it. They just think it's beaches and Disney World, but there's also a lot of ag and a lot of cattle ranches here in Florida, which is kind of surprising.
1: Well, that's right. And Florida's I think, number two or three number three or four in the country in terms of total cattle. But the, most of those cattle, Trevor, are part of cow-calf operations. They're not feed, feeder cattle or feedlot cattle. Uh, so traditionally what has happened is just like we did for years and years and years, uh, the calf would get, be ready to wean. We'd put it on truck and ship it out West someplace to go through the rest of the process. That's what we're not doing anymore. You know, we're just going to do it here. Uh, there are lots of reasons and I could go into them economic reasons why it had to be done that way before, but, uh, we're going to make this work because the advantage to the consumer Uh, is unbelievable in terms of freshness and quality. And you're also not spending,
2: you know, the, the time or the energy. It's, 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 um, it's better for the environment. If you're not shipping cattle across the country, Um, it's better for the cattle because they're not getting stressed out being in a truck for, you know, days on end. Um, And so it's, you know, it's, it's better for everyone. Shortening the supply chain is not putting anyone out of business. It's just, it's a better thing for all of us. If we can shorten these supply chains.
3: Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're supporting the farmer because more money is going to them. You're getting a fresher product. You're helping the environment. So really it's a win-win. I mean, and especially like you guys were mentioning earlier, COVID kind of threw a wrench in the, in the gears. I mean, because we had a lot of processing facilities shut down because there's only so many of them. And so there was a huge shortage in meat and meat processing. So things like this are definitely going to be a game changer, which is phenomenal. Um, so Alan, quick question for you. Um, I was doing research and again, I thought your name sounded familiar and I was like, yep, this is the former state legislature and U S congressman. So what's easier and more rewarding for you working with cattle, working on the farm, or working in government, which I'm sure you're probably enjoying retirement right now. That's
1: an easy question to answer. <laughs> yeah. Working here on the farm. <laughs> and, and have it, oh, I can and imagine. Have, probably a lot less stressful. Yeah. And having a wonderful partner like Suzanne and, and you know, and the other family members that are in this, uh, my wife, uh, my son, you know, they're all involved in it with me and having them and uh, getting in that relationship, business relationship with them has just been uh a joy for me. And, and one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons I did this, honestly.
3: There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, What kind of pressures are you facing? I mean, you guys are a seventh generation farm, which is awesome. I mean, you don't hear a lot about seventh generation farms now. I mean, cause a lot are shutting down. So, I mean, I'm sure that's enjoyable, but I mean, are there also some pressures there that you want to continue it and eventually have it be an eighth generation farm, ninth generation farm?
1: Yeah, and that's that's probably the biggest pressure is that generational transfer, and uh, that's a, that's a discussion that uh, that we are having uh, as we speak. Because uh, obviously, you heard Suzanne talking about having been in business twenty five years herself, and she's my daughter, so you can you can do the math. You know that uh, uh, you know my my hair is not red or brown. <laughs> so
2: yeah, but Dad, it's been gray so. since you were twenty five, so don't use that as an excuse. <laughs>
3: Uh, I can imagine. So what are some of the biggest thoughts you guys have on the farmer consumer relationship? I mean, I know there's a lot going on. Some consumers don't really know what's going on to a farm, but I've seen more and more farmers start to use social media like you guys kind of get their message out there. So what do you think about the farmer consumer relationship right now?
2: I think it's um, I think it's people are becoming much more aware of where their food is coming from who is growing and and raising their food, um, you know, they've become a lot more savvy consumers have. Um, and, you know, I can't tell you how many people come up to our booth and want to know the whole process. So, um, and that makes us feel good because, you know, those are things we want to be talking about. Um, I think it's important that we all know where our food comes from, you know, and that, that piece of meat that you're buying in the grocery store, you know, what did that cow have to go through to give its life for you? You know, I think that's an important conversation to have. You know, I I buy all free range, cage free eggs now. And I didn't five years ago, because I'm now a more savvy consumer and want to make sure that the animal that I'm eating was, you know, lived a, a, a happy life. Um, so I think that that's important for people.
3: Alan, what do you think about the farmer-consumer relationship?
1: Well, I think that a lot of the people that come to our table, if we go set up in a market working out of the, uh, right now we're working a lot out of a refrigerated truck in the markets. Uh, now Suzanne's talked about shipping and, and storefronts and we're we're doing the, we're going to try to we're going to do those things, uh, but a lot of people come up to the uh, uh, table and they'll say, "Okay, so you got fresh beef? So where <laughs> do I have to go to get it? You know, are you going to ship it to, me are you going to <laughs> it to me or what?" I said, "No, sir, it's sitting right on that truck right there." You know, so uh, and I have yet I have yet to see at a market that we have been to anywhere, and we've been all along the Gulf Coast and we've been down on the East Coast and Palm Beach area. I have yet to see another uh, grain finished fresh meat vendor there. Uh, they just it, it, and and I think that says it all. If it was easy, a lot of people would be doing it. So uh, Suzanne and and what she's doing here uh, is breaking. She's breaking new ground, and uh, I I'm going to predict that. Pretty soon, there'll be lots of folks running up and down the road figuring out how to do this. I got a storefront with Florida-raised, pasture-raised, grain-finished, fresh beef in it. And it won't be something that was shipped out from Iowa or Kansas or St. Louis or someplace. It'll be, it'll be something that was raised here and it's coming uh, to the consumer, to the Florida consumer, fresh. And that's that's new.
2: Yeah. And what most people I mean, most people that are selling meat or beef at these markets, it's frozen. It's not a fresh product. Um, So it's a very different uh, market than what we're doing. But, yeah, I mean, I think Dad's saying is, you know, there's a lot of cattle ranchers, especially here in Florida that are talking about, you know, how do we do this? How do we all support each other? and, um, you know, come together and, you know, shorten the supply chain and get our product to the people that want it.
3: Yeah, no, those are those are all good points. And I mean, I can't wait. My wife and I, we were talking earlier, we go to that St. Andrew's market. And um, the next time we go, we're going to look for you guys and get some of your meat. I mean, we're super excited for that. And I think especially in, in the COVID age, I've seen kind of a rise in popularity of those markets where people want to go and they just want to buy local, they want to buy fresh, something that is going to be healthy and it's not going to have touched a lot of hands and throughout the whole distribution process. And so, I mean, what you guys are doing is great. I mean, I hope more and more people kind of find out about Boyd Farms Fresh and continue to buy your produce or your beef. I think this is super neat. So if people want to buy your meat, your website is boydfarmsfresh.com. They can check out your Facebook. Where else can they go to kind of see you guys and maybe buy your meat?
2: Um, Instagram. We are at these farmer's markets, both along the Gulf Coast and here in South Florida. So you can go to our website, voidfarmsfresh.com and click on the Meetups tab. Meetups, M-E-A-T. Meetups, get it? <laughs>
3: I was wondering that makes, I was wondering what it meant, but that makes so much sense. (laughs) I like, that's clever. Yeah, so
2: you come to one of our meetups at these farmers markets. Our schedule is all on our website, so you can check out when we're going to be at a market near you. And you can also just email us, info at BoydFarmsFresh.com. If you have a location and you want us to come, we will uh, will make that happen. So you can reach out and we'd love to, um, we're always looking for new markets, people that want our beef.
3: Yeah, I just checked it out now. So today is the 21st. I'm going to go see you guys on the 30th when you're here in Panama City. So this works out perfectly. That ro- that meetups thing is perfect.
1: We're in Rosemary Beach this coming Sundays too, So that, at their market. So close by you, I know.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's close. Cool. Yeah, Rosemary is beautiful. Yeah, you, I'm looking at the website now. It's Rosemary, Live Oak, Tallahassee, Panama City. We'll have to go to Rosemary Beach, too. We, we love that area around 38. A lot of nice restaurants, nice bars around there. It's a great area. Alan, Suzanne, this has been awesome chatting with you guys about Boyd Farms Fresh. Um, continue to keep up the great work. I think what you guys is doing, what you guys are doing, is awesome, and I can't wait to try some of your products. Uh, thanks for, so much for being on, and we'll have to touch base with y'all soon to see how y'all are doing. Thank you,
2: bro. Thanks, Trevor.
3: Again, our guest today was Alan and Suzanne Boyd from Boyd Farms Fresh. You can find them at their website at boydfarmsfresh.com. You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. If you're new here on the Farm Traveler Podcast, which, welcome, thank you for joining us, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a ton. And even consider leaving a written review. That helps us show up higher in the Apple Podcast search results and helps get our message out there about bridging the gap between farmers and consumers. You can also find us on social media, Instagram, or farm underscore traveler. Facebook, just look up, you know, The Farm Traveler. And you can see us on our website, which is thefarmtraveler.com, where we have numerous episodes, you know, over 90 episodes of our podcast, as well as articles from guests and on various ag-related topics. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to episode 91, and we will see you next week.